And I have the honor and the privilege of introducing our guest speaker today. I have been waiting for this for months. He is the author of our 40-day devotional, among other things. He's written a lot of stuff. By the way, we're on day 21 of this devotional now. So if you've not been a part of it, start today. Day 21 is where we are. We're just a little over halfway. And um, Brian Kluth comes to us from Denver, married to Mary Ellen. They have four children. He's done camping ministry. He's been a pastor. He has traveled to over 20 countries of the world. He's written a ton of material. He's uh, been a partner with uh, the National Association of Evangelicals to train and equip pastors and leaders. And we, we also ha had the privilege of connecting him with Pastor Isaac in Uganda. And in March, he's going to Uganda to uh, minister to 500 pastors there. So how cool that Living Hope has been a key player in that. But before he comes, watch this uh, really powerful video, a testimony from Alex Fields. Hi, I'm Alex Fields, and we're really excited about uh, this series on generosity. We personally, me and my wife, Anna, have been uh, the recipients of generosity, and we've been able to be generous to others. Um, when I was in high school, uh, both of my parents actually lost their jobs. And so for about a four or five year period, at least one of my um, parents was unemployed. And so it just created a situation where we were in need. Um, and so I remember at one point, um, our hot water heater went out and we had to shower actually at our like neighborhood clubhouse for about a week. And my parents didn't have the money to fix it. And the church um, was super gracious to us and they actually provided the hot water heater for us. And so during that time, uh, we received just a lot of generosity from the church, from fellow believers, from God himself. Um, and so it was just wonderful and it's a wonderful part of, of our story. When I came here to Georgia, the University of Georgia, um, I actually lost Hope Scholarship my freshman year. Um, but I really felt strongly that God wanted me to stay at UGA. Um, but again, because my parents weren't able to support me financially, I didn't know how that was going to happen. Uh, I needed about $8,000 to come back to school. And um, the summer after my freshman year, right before school was starting, uh, just a few weeks before school was starting, $8,000 came in uh, from gifts from family members, uh, one of them who is, was not a believer and is still not a believer. And so we, we received generosity um, from family, um, even those that aren't walking with the Lord. And then I've had the privilege as well of going on more than 10 mission trips over the years. And um, I've never raised a single dollar to go on those trips. Um, they've been fully funded um, by the generosity of brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I've just experienced, again, that blessing from, from others. And then many of you may know this already, but I work full time at the Athens College of Ministry. And my job is actually uh, support raised. I have to raise my own salary. It's not paid by the college. And so... Um, I actually am able to do that because of the generosity of many of you here in this church. And so for the past three and a half years, um, I have been fully funded uh, because of the generosity of other people. And so uh, me and my wife, Anna, day by day, I mean, we live a life of faith, um, blessed by God's generosity. But also, we've been able to be generous ourselves. Um, when I was in college, uh, I began tithing regularly, even though I didn't have a full-time job. And I've really seen God bless that faithfulness. Um, and we give uh, actually over 10% of our income, and our hope and prayer is that as we get older, we can continue to give more than 10% of our income. But one of our favorite times of the month is when we actually get paid, and we get to um, just talk together to figure out who are we going to give to, who are we going to bless this month. And so it's been really wonderful to see God's blessing coming to us, and then us being able to pour out that blessing to other people. Um, so I hope that um, this series on generosity can also be something that blesses you, uh, that the Lord uses in your life. Um, to be a conduit of his blessing, as his promise to Abraham was that we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Well, good morning. Great to be with each of you. I'm so, so glad you're here. And it's a privilege to, to be here. Uh, Pastor Dave and I have been friends for many years. We have never met each other until this weekend. So I'm friends with his brother Steve, and uh, I was a pastor in Colorado Springs, and so a lot of connections with Steve, was aware of David, we've done, he's used some of my materials over the years in other churches, but what a thrill to be here with you, so grateful for those of you that are going through the 40-day devotional, uh, in the, or the app version of that, I have been accused of being a plagiarizer, uh, because in that I quote scripture all the time, I'm cutting and pasting from the Bible, so I plagiarize from the Bible, and I put it in a little booklet so you could have the word of God, and glad you're doing that. 
But, uh, you know, I'm going to talk to you today about a, something very, very encouraging and positive for everybody in the room, regardless of your age, regardless of your income, regardless if you don't have a bank account, you have nothing in your bank account, you got a lot of money in your bank account, doesn't matter. For everybody here today, I believe there's a word for you. There's something in this message that God wants to do to encourage your heart encourage you on your generosity journey because you never arrive, you know, you never arrive in this journey. We're all at a place where God wants us to take the next step. And in that next step of generosity, we experience him more fully. But I want to talk about the five great reasons why to become a generous Christian. Five great reasons why to become generous because you weren't born generous. You were not born again generous generosity is something you have to learn in your faith journey. And so I'm going to talk about why, because if you don't know why to do something, you're not going to do it. The idea of should is just not going to make that much of a difference. You know, you could tell someone, well, you should read your Bible every day, but a lot of people don't. But in my own life, I remember in my 20s, I had a book, How to Study the Bible for Yourself by Tim LaHaye. In there, there was one chapter on why to spend time in God's Word with the Lord every day. And there were 10 reasons why to be in the Word of God every day. And it was like, God will make you stronger in your faith. He'll give you peace. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you guidance. There were, all, there were 10 things. I remember reading that going, wow, I need every one of those things in my life every day. And because I knew why to be in the Word of God for the last 40 years, I have never missed time with God in His Word because I needed the help and presence of God every day. I knew why. Now, I want to. if I say you should be generous, you'd be, well, why would I want to do that? Most people don't know why they should be generous. I want to give you five reasons. Five reasons why to become a generous Christian. Number one, and this is going to relate to a number of you. Number one, generosity helps you overcome financial fear and worry. Ma- Generosity will help you overcome financial fear and worry. The reason a lot of Christians aren't generous is they've done the math. They just kind of looked at what they had, and what they had was just enough, or it wasn't enough, and they think, oh my goodness, if I give anything away, I'll have less, and I can't do that. But what I want to say to you is generosity is God's crazy mathematics. When you learn to give to God, when you learn to thank God for what he's given you, when you learn to trust God, there's generosity, it's God's generosity in mathematics, God will give you more. But what he gives you more of is more wisdom. Because sometimes you can be done with money, right? It's like buying a lottery ticket. A lottery ticket is a tax on people that are bad at math, all right? So, so that's what a lottery ticket is. <laughs> All right? And so you're done with your money, right? But when you learn to give to God, he gives you more wisdom. Uh, he gives you more guidance. He gives you more provisions that he brings into your life. I like to say God owns it all and God loans it all. God owns everything and we are but stewards of what he entrusts to us. But this whole idea, some people are just scared, right? And in the Bible, God addresses this. There was a woman, she was a single mom, she was a widow, there was a three-year famine in the land, not COVID, but a three-year famine, which would be much worse because there was no food for people. Three-year famine, there was no stimulus checks, there was no unemployment checks, there was no food bank, there was no uh, you know, a, a kitchen, uh, what do you call it, community kitchens where you could get food. I mean, it was bad. Three years of no rain, no food, and Elijah meets this widow and he says to her, can you give me something to eat? First Kings 17, verses 13 to 16. Can you give me something to eat? And, and bring me a little, you know, you know, get something to drink. And so the woman says, you know what? She said, you know, she just said, hey, I'm down to my last little jar of oil. I got a little oil in a jar. And I got some flour. And I'm going to make a meal. And I'm going to make it for myself and for me and my son. And we're going to die. One meal away from death. One meal away from death. And what did Elijah say to her? Listen to what he said to her. He said, don't be afraid. You see, in your heart, there's one or two things that are going on. You're operating in fear or faith. 
And this woman for years had been operating in fear, just trying to hold on, tight-fisted, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, trying to, you know, trying to just hold on. And, God, and Elijah's like, operate in faith. Don't be afraid. What's faith? F-A-I-T-H. Fantastic adventures in trusting him. Fantastic adventures in trusting him. When you learn to operate, not in fear, but in faith, you are going to experience God more fully in your day-to-day life. He said, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, in other words, give to God first. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have. What she had was not enough. Maybe what you have is not enough. You can't see your way through the end of the week. You can't see how you're going to pay all your bills. You can't see the way. But from what you have, you know, uh, bring it. He said, from what you have, bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. Give first to God's work, to God's servant, all right? Then make something for yourself and your son. And then it says, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah. In other words, she kept giving. She kept giving. And for the woman and for her son, and the Bible says in her family. I like to say the relatives showed up. You got food at your house, we're coming to your house. And the conversation around the dinner table was, look what God did. Because the Bible said that that jar of oil did not run out. And that that flour did not run out. And there was food every day, every day, every day. As she gave, God made what she had left enough. And she had that experience. I love to tell the story of Nancy McPherson, a friend of mine. I met her in a singles ministry in Milwaukee where I was, was, uh, was living there in my 20s. And her husband divorced her. He was a bad, a bad husband, bad dad. Uh, he was sending her a little, little tiny bit of money every week for groceries for her and her three children. What he sent her was not enough for one person. And I said, Nancy, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going to give to God. And I'm like, but what you have isn't enough. You can't feed yourself and your children on that little bit. And she says, I know, Brian but that's all I have to work with and I'm going to give to God out of my grocery money because that's what I've been given. The Bible says faithful and little, faithful and much. And she began to give to God out of her little bit of grocery money and trusting that God would provide for her and her children. I saw Nancy a number of months later. I said, Nancy, how are you doing? She said, let me tell you the story. She said, I got hired by a cookbook company. And she said, they paid me to go shopping They paid for all the food. They paid me to bring the food home. They paid me to prepare all the food and all the side dishes and all the desserts and everything. Then they would come and they would take pictures for their cookbooks. You know, she would settle all that on a table and then they just let me have all of the food. (laughs) You know? And she said, Brian, I gave to God out of my grocery money and God gave us groceries. And she said, there was so much food I had to invite family in, friends in, neighbors in, and we would talk about the goodness of God. Wow, isn't that a great story of God's grace? Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Yes. But then I was, there was another gal. She was an elderly gal. She was 88 years old. Uh, church went through my devotional, like many of you are doing. And uh, this pastor gave it to his 88-year-old mother. And after she went through it several weeks, she called him and said, honey, I need to tell you the truth. She said, I've been a Christian for many years, but uh, when I went on to a fixed income, I just stopped giving because I thought I just don't have enough. I got to hold on so tight. And she said, I realize that I've been living in fear instead of faith, and I need to start giving to God again. And I had the same woman, another woman told me the same story today in her 80s, right here, came met me after one of the services and said, I'm that woman. And so anyway, she was afraid to give and But this woman, this pastor wrote me a letter about his mother and she started giving and then God showed up. And and one of the three ways he showed up in this woman's life, one was the church had a prayer retreat where they were going to go out of town and they contacted her and they said, we just want to give you a scholarship to go to that retreat. And she was rejoicing that no, she did not have the money to go on that retreat, but God guided and God provided and she was rejoicing in God's goodness that she could go on that retreat with some other ladies for a weekend. Uh, she went to the bank, and this is a true story. This is written from a pastor. Uh, true story. She went to the bank that weekend to get some money, uh, just to have a little money for the weekend. And, and the person said to her, oh, Betty, uh, we were talking about you today in the staff meeting. 
and we noticed, and I don't know how they did this, we noticed it's your birthday. <laughs> All right? We noticed it was your birthday, and as, a, and as a staff, we decided the next time we would see you, we wanted to give you a birthday present. Uh, and so we decided we would give you $100 when you came to the bank. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but nobody knows my name in the bank. Uh, nobody knows my birthday in the bank. And no bank has ever given me $100 for anything, all right? <laughs> but they did it for Betty. <laughs> How do you explain that? Except for God. God provided for Betty. And then the third thing was she got a letter from some kind of a community group, and they said, Dear Betty, uh, we, have, we, we cover the utility bills for elderly in our community, and this year we, you are a recipient of all of your utility bills will be paid. Can you imagine that? Here was this woman so afraid, trying to hold on so tight, and she began to thank God for what he gave her. And, and from the little she had, she gave, and God graciously gave back into her life. You know, this idea, I, I'm not a, a prosperity gospel guy. I'm not a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, okay? I don't buy into that. But what I want to say to you is when you give, God provides. And on my little bookmark, I, I don't know a lot about finances, but everything I know I put on a bookmark. And uh, on here, there's a list of, uh, it says 10 ways God provides, but there's over 40. There's over 40 ways God, the God who owns all things and loans all things can provide for us. One is a paycheck. One is a paycheck. There's 40 some other ways. And what I want to say to you is when you learn to open your hands, when you learn to trust God, when you learn to give to God, God provides and he has lots of ways he can do that. All right, let's look at this next verse here. Genesis 28, 20, 22 is Jacob. Uh, Jacob was a young man, probably somewhere between 18 and 20 years old. He had just lied to his father. His brother was angry and threatened to kill him. His mom said, you better get out of town. You better run away. Go to my, go to my brother's house, his uncle, uncle Laban. So Jacob gets out of town. The Bible tells us he had a staff in his hand, clothes on his back, and a rock for a pillow. That night he slept on the ground. And, and so you got to realize... He is running for his life. He has an uncertain future. He has no money, may not even have any food. He doesn't know how it's going to go. He doesn't know if he's going to get eaten by animal, wild animals on the way. But he lies down on the ground, and that night he has a dream. And in that dream, he sees God on his throne, and he, see, he sees angels coming and going from the throne. Now, now, Jacob grew up in a religious home. Jacob grew up hearing about God, but he did not know God. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Jacob did not know God, but that night when he had a dream and then when he woke up, he realized that God was more than a word. Uh, the Quakers used to say that. When did God become more than a word to you? When did God become more than a swear word to you? All right? And so that night, Jacob realizes for the first time in his life, 20, 19, 20 years old, that there's a God in heaven who's real. And he wakes up from that dream and this is what he says. He, Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. And he would come back years later. Then the Lord will be my God. And he's talking to God. And he says, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. You see, this was not a financial decision. This was a spiritual decision. Literally, Jacob got down on his, on his knees and said, God, I now realize that you are real. And God, I realize that you're going to be my provider. And if I ever have anything, it's going to come from you. And God, whatever you put into my hands from this day forward, God, I'm going to honor you with a tenth of whatever you give to me. My question to you is, have you done that yet? Have you done that yet? And every one of you that did that, you know when you did that. It was very, very, very real to you. For me, I was probably about 23 years old. I had more months than I had money. I had bills I couldn't pay. I couldn't, I couldn't pay my bills and I couldn't live for two weeks. And I made a decision, God, okay, my finances are a mess. I don't know how to make them work. I made foolish decisions. God, whenever I get paid, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to write a check and I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you. And that was over 40 years ago. I've never stopped. Now, when I first did it, I was scared to death. I'm like, how is this going to work? But God has been faithful. But you've got to make that decision. And you think, well, what about my finances? What about your finances? 
What, it's what, about, what about God? God is real and God can move into the picture and do things you never imagined, but it's going to start with you making a decision. And Jacob made that decision. Number two, generosity helps you overcome pride and you can add the word workaholism and experience God as your provider. Generosity helps you overcome pride and workaholism and experience God as your provider. Now there's a, some of you, a few of you here, you don't have an issue with worry. You got a big fat bank account. You got properties. You got investments. You got stuff. And you're like, wow, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's all about me. I made money. I'm good at making money. I got a lot of money. Blah, 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 blah. And the Bible has a caution for you, my friend. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. I'm glad you're here today to hear this. It says, you may say to yourself, a little self-talk, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of people in this world that that's what it's all about. More means more for me. More of what I want. I want what I want, what I want. I want newer, I want shinier, I want bigger, I want better, I want faster, I want the latest, I want the greatest. And it's all about you. And God says, don't go there. God says, do not go there. If you happen to have wealth, okay, but realize it was the God who worked in your life. It says this, but remember the Lord your God. It means to honor him out of your giving. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You cannot make yourself breathe. You cannot make your heart beat, all right? He, you did not give the brains that are in your head. You, God has given you skills. God has given you abilities. God has given you experiences. God has given you opportunities. God has given you relationships. And yes, money has been made and wealth has been made, but God is the one who gets the credit and the glory and the honor. And it's not all about you. It's not all about you. And, and others of you, you're like, you're just working all the time. Work, 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 work. Because you're like, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And you're thinking, okay, I'm the provider and I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to work all these hours and I got to make this money. But I want to say something to you that you are not the provider in your family. Now, God can provide through you and you can be part of his provisions, but God's provisions are greater than you working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, right? God's bigger than that. And he's bigger than you. And yes, he will use your activity and your work, but God wants to bring provisions to you and to your family and to those around you and so that you see that God did it, that it wasn't all about if it's going to be, it's up to me, that you see God in your life. Now, how is that possible? How are you going to learn to see God in your life? 1 Corinthians 16.2. 1 Corinthians 16.2 is a way that everybody in this room can learn to see that God is their provider. God is their provider. Here's how it works. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside some income, some money, and save it to the extent that God has blessed you or provided for you. Let me see, read it again. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside some income or some money, have a giving account, you see, on my, on my phone, I got, you know, my, my bank app, we've got checking accounts, we've got savings accounts, and we have a giving account. And once something goes in the giving account, it's for the glory and purposes of God. Once it's in there, once it's put in there, it's like, God, where do you want us to share the blessings that you've given into our life? All right? But set aside some money, so we have a giving account, blessings account, and save it to the extent that God has blessed you or provided for you. So in our in our family, the way this works is we literally look to count back seven days. So today's Sunday, tomorrow morning, my wife and I will send ourselves an email. Okay, we'll look back. How did God provide on Sunday, on Saturday, on Friday, on Thursday, on Wednesday, on Tuesday, on Monday? What did God do over seven days to bring provisions into our life? How did God provide for us the last seven days? And we'll send ourselves a note. Oh, we got a paycheck. Oh, uh, we, went to this, we went to Kohl's and we got some big savings on something. You, know, you ever go to Kohl's and you, know, you, you go in there with your Kohl's bucks and your, your discounts and the coupons and the savings and all that, and they're saying, it was worth $500 and you paid $23. Okay, $23. So the blessing of God, you know? 
Uh, and so we'll really write things down. We'll write down, Pastor David gave us dinner in Didi on Friday night. They gave us dinner on Saturday night. They let us sleep in their guest room. Those were provisions of God this week in our life. And we'll write them down. And then we'll add up the value of those financial provisions and blessings. And we'll put aside at least a tenth into our giving account. So whatever that is. But I want to tell you one example of a pretty extreme example, but it was a huge blessing in our life when we did one of these weekly things. Mary Ellen's mother is 94, and the last year she was in a COVID jail, or two, you know, two summers ago in COVID jail. I couldn't see anybody for months, so we went and broke her out of COVID jail out of the nursing home. Got her on an airplane, and we brought her to Colorado to visit us for five weeks. Now, the problem was, you know, mom or grandma uh, was literally uh, in a wheelchair and in a walker. So we live on a sec- our house, we live on the second floor, and so we're like, how are we going to get grandma upstairs in the house to, to sleep and have din- you know, meals with us and be with us? You know, didn't want her sleeping in the garage, all right, on the lower level. So we got to get her up to the second level. So thought about a variety of ways to do that. And ultimately, I realized I, just before she was coming, I'm like, okay, the only way this is going to work is we're going to have to buy one of those chair lifts, those things that they, they, you screw them into, a, into the stairwell, you screw them in, and there's a little chair, and it goes, eh, bring grandma to the second floor, all right? So I call three companies, and it, they're going to be $5,000. And I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of money, but how are we going to get grandma up the stairs, right? Can't throw over my shoulder. <laughs> you know, Hold on, grandma, we'll get you upstairs, right? No, can't do that. So I'm like, okay, we're going to have to, oh my God, we're going to have to spend this money. But anyway, I'm talking to one guy, and he goes, well, just try to buy a used one. I'm like, I used one. He goes, yeah, there people, you know, buy them and then they die and then the family wants to get rid of it and try to find one. He goes, but you got to get the exact size. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you got to measure everything. And so I measured everything and it was 158 inches from the bottom to the top. And he said, and there were 14 stairs. So there are 14 stairs and the stairs were eight inch risers. And so he said, that's what you got to find. 158 inches, 14 stairs, eight inch risers. Go find one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so I've learned in life, you learn to pray and go to Craigslist. Pray and go to Facebook Marketplace. You know, that's what, so pray, God, guys. So we find one in the, oh, a suburb nearby. I go to the people's house. I unscrew it. I bring it to my house. I, screw, I, I bring it to the house. I put it on the stairs. I screw it in. I plug it in and it works. Okay, five, they had paid $5,000 three months earlier and they sold it to us for $700. <laughs> Yeah, who gets the credit in that story? God. <laughs> the Bible says the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Proverbs 13, 22. Ecclesiastes 2, 26 just says, to the man who pleases God, God gives knowledge, wisdom, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. So in that experience, God transferred the ownership, right? They gave us their $5,000 stairs for $700. I went home, plugged it in, and grandma came a few weeks later, and grandma got upstairs. But we also live at 7,500 foot elevation, and, and there can, people can have breathing problems at that, at that elevation. So we better get grandma an oxygen machine, all right? We don't want her dying in the bed. So, so we get Flora an oxygen, but again, we went and prayed, went to Craigslist, a $1,000 oxygen machine was $200. So we spent $200. Okay, so now fast forward. We're going back to our email, right? How did God provide for us the last seven days? Well, on Wednesday, he provided a chairlift. How much did we pay? $700. How much did it cost? $5,000. What's the blessing? $4,300, right? Do the math. $4,300 blessing. I was ready to spend $5,000 and God said, put your wallet away. <laughs> $700. Okay, and then I needed to get an oxygen machine, $1,000. How much was it? $200. What was the financial blessing? $800. So do the math. $4,300, $800, $5,100 of provisions from God for our family to meet a need, not a greed. This wasn't about greedy wishes. This was a need we had for grandma and God provided $5,100 of blessing. So that week, 
we put over $500 in the blessings account. And there it was. There it was to be able to give with. You see, in, an, our, in, in anyone's life, if you, when I, and when I first started doing this, I made $15,000 a year. My, my, I'm widowed and remarried. Mary Ellen's widowed and, and married me. We are, both of us lost our spouses in 2010. But with my first wife, when we were in our 20s, we started doing this. And over the years, we saw thousands of things that were written down. Thousands of ways God provided for us. Week in, week out, week in, week out. God was so good. And we have records of the goodness of God. So God wants to bring blessing and provision in your life, but, but it's a beautiful thing to thank him and honor it and recognize it. All right, uh, number three, generosity helps you bring God's peace and order to your finances. Uh, Matthew six thirty three. but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We're all to live for the glory of God. We're all to live for God's kingdom. And when we do that, when we're all out for the kingdom of God, God says he will add to us what's necessary for life and for service. And I like to say, if you're doing God's will, then it's God's bill, right? Do God's will, then it's God's bill to bring the provisions that are necessary. Deuteronomy 14.22 says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce. We are to have a plan. We are to use our heads, every one of you here, to use your heads and determine how are you going to set aside God's provision, God's portion. How are you going to return that to God? He has blessed you. How are you going to return that? Even with children, when my children were young, they would have three envelopes. So when the kids were little, they had a God envelope, they had a savings envelope, and they had a spending envelope. And whenever they got Christmas money or birthday money or allowance, we would go into the bedroom and my kids would divide the money. They had a plan to put money first into God's envelope second into savings, and third into spending. Some of you haven't, don't have that plan. You need to get that plan, all right? <laughs> That's a good thing for anybody to do. You need to have a plan. But it will bring God's order to your finances. Um, I want to show you this illustration. Actually, this was David's coat. Uh, but uh, I told him, I said, David, I need a coat that'll fit me. And I'm a little bigger than he is. And he goes, I think I've got one. So he gave me this coat and he said, Brian, you can keep it. So I'm going to write down David's coat on my list this week. Uh, okay. Um, so anyway, so I, <laughs> I got this coat, but imagine today if I, I got this coat and I put the button in the wrong hole, right? And so then I, I come to church and somebody says, hey, David, the guy that's going to speak, he's, you know, his jacket's kind of messed up. Better go tell him to fix it. So David comes up to me and says, hey, you know, fix your jacket, Brian, before you get up there. Say, oh, oh man, well, I, got a, I don't know. I got a problem here. Um, well, I don't, here's a button, here's a button. Okay, let me try to put this together, all right? Okay, how's that? Okay, all right, now, no, 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 Brian, you, you need, you got, a, you got a problem. Yeah, I got a problem here. Just, Brian, just fix your jacket. No, 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 I don't have enough buttons. If I had more buttons, I'd be okay, but I, 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 if I had more buttons and more buttonholes, I could do this, but I don't have enough buttons. I don't have enough buttonholes, and, and so I can't fix this. This is just a mess, all right? And what I want you to know is, is this is what finances look like when you don't give to God. When you don't get the order right, and I don't care if you make $100 a week or 100000 a month, I don't care how much money you make. If you get the order wrong, you got a mess. You've got a mess. And so the solution here is not more buttons or more buttonholes. The solution is get the order right. And, and, and so what I, and I've done a lot of counseling with couples and individuals over the years, you know, they'll be making 150000 a year, great, but they're spending 180. That's a mess, <laughs> right? Doesn't ma- again, it doesn't matter on the money, on the amount of money. The Bible says faithful and little, faithful and much, unfaithful and little, unfaithful and much. And what I have to tell people is, will you get the order right? And the people that come to me, I would say to them, will you start giving to God first? Will you give to God first whenever you get any income? And they would say, are you crazy? And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not crazy. You have been crazy for many years, (laughs) okay? Well, the reason you had the mess was you've been crazy. And I want to help you get out of crazy. I want to help you bring the sanity and the word of God and the wisdom of God and the ways of God to your finances. And when you do that, Everything will get figured out. God will show you the way forward. And I just saw that again and again in people's, in people's lives. Next verse here 
is Malachi 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, uh, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there may not be room enough to store it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. God, God's uh, enemy working in your life, destroying your finances and your peace. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your vineyard. And the fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. In other words, honor God. Honor God with tithes and offerings. Tithes are systematic giving. Tithes are, you use your head, you come up with a plan, you set aside. That's, God says, do that. Every person, do that. Come up with that plan and do that. That is tithes. That's systematic giving. But offerings are different. Offerings are when God does not speak to your mind, he speaks to your heart. He speaks to your heart and says, you have something, release it. God has spoken in my heart to give cars away okay, to, to people in need. Now, it didn't make any sense to me to do that, but the Spirit of God said, Brian, I want you to help that single mom. And, and there are six kids. And you've got a car that would work great for them, so you give that car away. All right? And through this particular story, I gave it away, and I said, I'll take whatever you got. And she had this big old Suburban, and we just swapped cars. All right? And God had me do it other times too, but, that's, but there's God speaking to your heart. God just says, do this, release this, give this. But God says we can test him in this area. And I like the illustration. I was in Africa and there was a fellow, he made $10 a month, he had seven children, and he said, Brian, let me tell you how this works in Africa, this idea of testing God. He said, when a child in Africa is maybe two or three years old, we take him in the jungle and we'll go up in a jungle and we'll go find a tree, and on the tree there'll be a big branch We'll take the child up the, up the tree and on the branch. We put them on the branch. And then as the father, I come down and then I tell them to jump. And the child will say, well, daddy, I don't want to jump. Daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, what if you don't catch me? Daddy, I'm not strong enough. Daddy, help me, help me, help me. Sorry, my alarm is going off. Time to check in for my flight. Excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, and anyway, so the, the, uh, the child will say, daddy, I don't want to. And the daddy will say, no, listen, listen, listen. Look, look at me, look at me. I'm big enough, I'm strong enough, I will catch you. And the child has to go from fear, right, fear, to putting their faith in what the father says. And the child will release from the tree, the, fa the father will catch that child, and the child will go, Daddy, let's do it again, right? Daddy, let's do it again. And Daddy was strong enough. I want to tell you something. Some of you are in a financial tree of worry and fear. And God says, don't operate in fear and worry. Trust me. Trust me. Give, give to me. Honor me. Thank me. And let me work in your life. Number four, generosity helps you fight off, the greed, off greed and the dragon of materialism. Luke 12, 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We've got to be careful because we can become convinced that we got to have version 13 of this phone and got to have this latest thing and this greatest thing and this new thing and this bigger thing and this faster thing. And we think we got to have more, 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 more. And God says, no, no, don't do that. Don't, don't let greed trap you. Don't let greed, greed snag you. I talked to a businessman, a friend of mine. I said, why do you give to God? He said, it's how I fight the dragon of materialism. He said, that dragon stalks me every day telling me I can't be content. I need the newest, latest, greatest, best thing. And he says, every time I give, I take out my sword of giving and I tell the dragon to back off. Everything is from God. I'm content in God. God is my provider. God is my peace. And he says, that's how I fight that dragon. I was speaking at a church and there was a woman that later told me that she, she'd been fixated on some new furniture for her house and it was going to be a lot, a lot of money. And she just couldn't get this furniture out of her mind. And and she kept thinking about it, thinking about it, and that dragon was stalking her. And she said, I heard your message, Brian, and I went home, and I knew how much I was going to spend on that furniture, and it was a lot of money. And she said, I wrote out a check to God's work, and I gave it to God's work. And she said that desire went away like that, just like that. She said, everything I had was fine. I didn't need anything new. That, that was getting in control over my heart and my mind. And she said, as soon as I gave it, there was a peace of God came over me and a joy from the Lord. I know of a, another church I was speaking at and this woman came up to the pastor after the message and she hand, handed the pastor a, a set of keys, car keys. He said, what's this for? He said, Pastor, when Brian was speaking today, 
She said, I, I have a classic car in, in my garage. I never use it. We never drive it. It's worth $80,000. And she said, I have no need for it. And, uh, and she said, you know what? I want you, here's the keys. You come over on Monday. You come and pick it up and you come and get the title and you go sell it and we're going to use it to bless some people. She said, I don't need that. I don't need that. You know, I think even my own wife and, and her story, we were getting married uh, we were getting widowed and we were getting married and she was going to sell her house. And I said, Mary Ellen, we get to give. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, you're going to sell your house and, and then they're going to pay off your mortgage. And, but there's going to be a bunch of like an equity check that's left and they're going to give you all this money. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, well, we can give off of that. She's like, that's a lot of money. I said, I know we get to give off of that. That's, we don't have to give, we get to give. It's because, really, we would do that? I'm like, yes, it's, it's kind of the seven-day thing. On Thursday, we got this big check from the sale of the house. And I said, well, you think about it, you pray about it. And she came back and said, let's do it. So that week, we got that big check, six-figure check, and we took you know, a big portion, and we put it into the giving account. Then two years later, we sold my house, and we did the same thing. And then we bought another house together, and and, and it's just this idea of, of being able to just use what God's given us. Another time we, were, we, were, we had decided we were going to renovate our bathroom, and we had talked about it for a couple of years. We saved money for a couple of years. And on the Saturday, we said, okay, on Monday, we're going to go buy everything for the new renovated bathroom. We're going to buy everything on Monday. We had all the money we needed to get the work done and to buy everything. And on Saturday, that was Saturday, go to church on Sunday, and there was an opportunity to be a blessing for a special project and my wife looks at me and said, we need to give the bathroom money. I said, I'm good. Our bathroom's fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with our bathroom. And she said, let's give it. So we didn't go shopping on Monday. <laughs> now, two years later, we went shopping. We took care of the bathroom, right? <laughs> but that day, that day, she said, let, let's let it go. Wow, so much fun to give to God, the things of God. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Are you rich? Are you rich? What does it take to be rich in this world? What does it take to be in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on the planet? You know what the number is? 50,000. If your family, household, makes over 50,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the richest people on planet Earth. Congratulations. You've arrived. <laughs> what about if you make $1,500 a year? Congratulations. You're in the top 50% of the world's population for $1,500 a year. Some high school kids make that. Richest people on the planet. So, so this verse kind of applies to you, right? If you're in the top 1% or top 50%, teach those who are rich, the one percenter, the 50 percenter in this world, not to be proud nor to put their trust in money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He is concerned about your needs, not your greeds. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in what? Good works and generous to those in what? In need. Use your money for good works. Be generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And then when you do this, you will experience true life. Which takes us to number five. Generosity helps you bless others and experience real joy. Psalm 67, 7 says, God blesses us that all the ends of the earth might worship him. Think about that. If you feel blessed in this life, you got clean water, you got electricity, you got a refrigerator, you got a car, you got a computer. You've been financially blessed in this life. If you've been blessed in this life, we were to use some of the blessings of God to reach the ends of the earth that people will worship God because of your generosity. Think about that. To the ends of the earth, God blesses you. God blesses me that people at the ends of the earth might worship him. How's this going to work? I want to show you how simple this is going to be for everybody in this room today. How do you bring blessings to the ends of the earth? Mary Ellen and I are going to Uganda in March, God willing. 
We're connected to uh, Pastor Isaac through Pastor David here at your church. He's going to gather 500 pastors from around that region. And we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to take some, re- some things along with us. But I want you to think about this idea of going and these pastors get blessed. Listen to this verse in Luke 16, 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Did you know that that's in the Bible? Can you buy friends? Can you, is it the Bible telling you to buy friends? Yes, for eternity. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, the wealth, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. God says that we can use worldly wealth in this world and we can do something to bless somebody at the ends of the earth and someday when we die and they die, they're going to want to meet us because of what we did with our giving. So what does that look like for these pastors? All right. So in Africa, if you're living in Africa, you're a pastor in Uganda, here's the water you get to drink right here. You know, it might be various different colors, but the reality is this water is contaminated. It is not clean. They don't have clean water. Now you can boil water, that can help. Some people do, and and other people just drink it like it is. But this water is going to keep you sick 30, 40, 50, 60 days a year. You, your spouse, your children are going to be sick. Uh, Can't go to school, can't work. You're going to have diarrhea, you're going to have fevers, you're going to have coughs. Even death is going to come from this sometimes. And so this is it. This is your choice, all right? But what's going to happen when Mary Ellen and I go in March, we are going to take whatever resources are provided through this church. I told Pastor David, I want nothing for Mary Ellen and myself to come to your church. But anything that your church puts into our hands, we're going to give 100% of it to do a couple of things. But one of the things is get these water filters. And this little water filter right here will take this water or any other color water and make it like this. 99.98% pure with this little filter. This little filter will last years. When a family gets this filter, they will never drink dirty water ever again. They'll never have to boil water ever again. They will have clean water for years to come because someone brought a filter. And we're going to just put them in duffel bags, hundreds of them, and take them to Uganda in March. We're going to go to the ends of the earth on your behalf. Think about that. So we're going to go to the ends of the earth on your behalf, and we're going to make sure we meet with those 500 pastors, and we have another 700 to meet with besides Pastor Isaac pastors, and we're going to make sure that they get this water filter. Now, we're going to also remind them that this, this is a picture of salvation. This dirty water is like a person's life of sin, and it cannot be clean. There's a problem, all right? And, and this water filter, it's a mystery to me how it can make, how it can make everything pure over here. But that's like the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ. He can take all of our sin, no matter how dark, no matter how filthy our sin is, God can cleanse us. The blood of Christ can cleanse us and make us clean. So that's an amazing truth. So this is a picture of salvation in Africa, wherever they go. And then the way you clean this thing is this gets, stuff gets caught in the filter. So you just bring clean water every day and you just push it through the filter and get rid of the scum. All right? So this is a picture of the Word of God being pushed through someone's life that they might be clean and not be controlled by sin. Beautiful picture of salvation. And literally this weekend, whatever happens here financially, we're going to take this to Africa. The second thing we're going to take to Africa is a solar lamp. The number, co- number two cause of disease and death in the world is dirty water. It kills three and a half million people a year. COVID, by the way, does three million. So dirty water is more deadly than COVID. But dirty smoke is twi- kills twice as many people. Seven million people a year die from dirty smoke. Where's dirty smoke coming from? It's coming from two places. A woman's cooking over an open fire and, and usually over in a little hut and all that smoke is very damaging to her health and the health of her little children. So we provide a low smoke cook stove. That's something we do in Africa. But the other thing we provide is a solar lamp. So we'll, bring, we'll give these 500 pastors a solar lamp Now, right now on their kitchen tables, there's a kerosene lamp uh, because they don't always have electricity. So that kerosene lamp is going to cost, takes 30% of their income to have that kerosene lamp. The problem with that kerosene lamp is there's a smoke that comes off of that lamp. It's toxic. It's smelly. Children try to do their homework at night and they literally get get 
diseases in their eyes. They get that toxic smoke in their nose and in their lungs. It's a serious, serious problem. And, uh, and the kids get headaches. They can only do, kind of do that for 40, 50 minutes. We're going to replace their kerosene lamp and give them a solar lamp. Now, this is going to last five years. So they will just literally charge it every day. Even on a, on a cloudy day, it will charge. And this will give them five hours of light every single night. So literally, <laughs> this replaces their, their kerosene lamp. This is five times brighter than a kerosene lamp. They can have dinner together. They can do craft, craft projects at night, work projects at night. The kids can study at night. They can read their Bible at night just with this solar lamp, all right? So this is life-changing, all right? Yeah, praise the Lord for that. So, and this, I would say, this thing is indestructible. You can literally stand on it, and uh, it will not break. So it's amazing, it's, and it's also a flashlight. So an amazing, amazing gift. So just stick with me on this idea. So this weekend, we're going to raise some funds, and we're going to take this products to these people. Okay, this is going to change their world. Change your life, change your world. Guess what? They're going to die someday. And you're going to die someday. I know it's going to happen in heaven. They're going to say, hey, where's that person that gave for that lamp? I want to meet the person. Who, who gave for that water filter? Who gave for that water filter that Brian and Mary Ellen took, took all the way to Uganda and gave it to our family? And they want to meet you and they want to bring you to their eternal dwellings. And they want to say, you have no idea what you did. That solar lamp changed our life. We weren't sick. We were healthy. We were strong. Good things happened in their life. We weren't drinking that pond scum water anymore. You helped change your life. We thank God for you. We praise God for you. We rejoice for you. We prayed for you. We didn't even know who you were. You were a stranger, but we knew that you helped us. <laughs> Jesus says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so when you, when you give, that changes lives, right? Changes eternity. People are going to want to meet you in heaven because of your generosity. Now listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 to 14. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from the, your ministry of giving. The needs of believers will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your giving, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given you. The Bible says we are to excel in the grace of giving. We're to be open-handed. We're to share what God has blessed with us. We're to use it so it blesses to the ends of the earth. And when we do that, God will be glorified. You will be blessed in your life, all right? But I want to I share with you, and this is how I'm going to close. We, another thing we do is we do child sponsorships in Africa. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to be in touch with a little girl. She's 16 now. We first met her when she was eight. She has a 14-year-old sister. They've been locked out of school for two years because of covid Uganda had the worst shutdowns in all the world, no school for two years. They were wanting to go to school. They didn't have the money. And I said, let me see if I can get you some sponsors. We got them some sponsors. And um, on Friday night, two weeks ago, I sent him a little note and said, hey, on Monday, you can go to school. You're going to have uniforms. You're going to have food. You're going to have supplies. You're going to have clothing. You're going to be able to be in class. You're going to have supplies and booklets and all that. And after we did that, and it was late at night. My wife and I were getting ready to go to bed. The little girl sent me a message. It was about a six-minute message, but I want to share with you 90 seconds. I just clipped out 90 seconds. What did it talk about when you give and meet someone's need, that they will rejoice in God, that they will pray for you, that they will thank God for you? Listen to this little girl as she tells me her joy and the joy of her family when they heard that somebody helped them to get to school. Let me turn around here. We're going to close with this. 
I'm so happy. May God wish you bless you. My sister is very happy. She's even crying. Everyone is crying tears of joy. My mom is very happy. And I'm also very happy and I'm proud of you. I love you. I always play blessings from God. I pray for you every day. I love you so, so much. And I promise you I will not disappoint you. I'll have to work hard. Thank you. I appreciate we love you too, too. We love you so much. I sing this song crying tears of joy. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Cause all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. We love you and we pray for you and we shall be good girls. We shall perform well at school and we shall always pray every day. We love you. Bye-bye. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mariana and I volunteer our time to do what we do in Africa. And what I want to just say to you is any giving you do towards the work we're going to do in Africa, it will make people sing. <laughs> They'll sing. They'll praise God. You, they won't know you on earth, but they will know you in heaven. They'll come and find you in heaven because your giving changed our life and met a need that we couldn't meet. But because of you, our life was in a better place. Our life was better forever. So your giving can make lives better forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done for all of us in this room, for all your provisions, for salvation, for wisdom, for understanding, for guidance, for strength, for forgiveness, so much you've poured out into our life. Lord, thank you that we can use the blessings that you give us, whether they be little or whether they be much, but Lord, we can cause them to go to the ends of the earth. Lord, we can cause, help people in need to worship you and glorify you and sing to you and thank you and to pray for us and to pray for us, strangers to them, but they will know that they, somebody helped them when they couldn't help themselves. So God, I pray your blessing on everyone in this place. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them and make them a blessing in this world, in this church, in this community, in this country, and even to the ends of the earth. And we'll give you honor and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Well, Brian, thank you so much. And as we prepare to take this special offering, just watch this real short video. As Americans, it's hard to comprehend life without electric lights, appliances, and clean water. Many of us are unaware of the two leading causes of disease and death in poorer countries, dirty smoke and dirty water. The dirty smoke comes from families having to use dim and dangerous kerosene lamps and collecting firewood to cook over smoky fires. The dirty water comes from getting disease-infested water from contaminated sources. But now, a caring couple founded HealthyCharity.org to provide the world's top three most affordable, life-saving products that they've used to help thousands of people in Africa. For the cost of a movie, a meal, or a gift, you can help save lives and spread joy by giving $10 for a rechargeable solar lamp 
that is smokeless and bright, $40 for a high-tech stove that produces 80% less smoke and uses 60% less wood, $50 for a water filter kit that gives a lifetime of clean water, or $100 for all three. Go to HealthyCharity.org to give a life-saving donation or to purchase a charity gift card, the gift that keeps on giving, to provide real help to real people with real needs, to stop sickness and suffering and make lives better forever. All right, so here's how you give. We're going to take an offering in just a minute. Don't write a check to Living Hope Church. Here's what you do right there. You can text charity to that number. You can make a check payable to Healthy Charity. Put your email address in the memo line. You might want to take a picture of this. If you've not come ready to give today, that's okay. Take a picture of this slide. And then this afternoon, after some prayer, tomorrow, you can give. And I've, I've, I've asked the Lord this morning, I prayed, God, I pray that one of the most, if not the most generous amounts ever in Brian going to churches, and he goes to churches a lot bigger than this one, would come from this church. That's what I'm asking God to do through us. So, Father, we give now. We ask you to lay a figure on our heart. We'd be obedient to you. We'd live this message today. And, God, I pray that you'd multiply the gifts and that you would send an abundance of these resources through Brian when he goes in March. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ushers, go ahead.